0: So the text is James 2 um, through 13, and I'm going to read a big portion of it right now, and then I am going to uh, pray, and then we'll get into it. But uh, James 2, 1 through 4, any of you guys know who James Earl Jones is? All y'all know who he is, but you may not know. Raise your hand if you know, because I feel like older people know. Uh, no, I think that's a good thing is, now, okay, let me ask the better next-gen question. Does anyone know who Mufasa is? All right, that's the voice of Mufasa, uh, James Earl Jones. Uh, if you didn't know, you should know he's Darth Vader's voice. Also, if you ever never connected that Darth Vader and Mufasa have the same voice? For whatever reason, I have the gift of doing his voice, which he was one of the first to read the Bible um, and cover to cover. And he, you know, if you know Mufasa, it's Simba. You deliberately disobeyed me, <laughs> and. I Sometimes when I get long texts, I want to read, like, my brothers, show no partiality. But I'm not going to do that, but I always want to. So let's go through this text real quick. Um, If you'll read with me. My brothers, show no partiality. Man, it just doesn't sound as good. Um, My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, Has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? But have, sorry, but you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich the ones who oppress you and are the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blasphemy the honorable name by which you were called? Um, when I look at this text, there is a phrase. It's actually the phrase that's over this uh, is what they call those little, like, small segments of the Bible, and it's called show no partiality, and that will be a lot of the theme of what I want to speak about. We don't really use those words, a show no partiality. It could be, like, don't judge, or you're a hater, or whatever phrase with the generation now uses, um, but I... I really want to uh, speak into what do we do when we do show partiality, whether it's how you treat someone better because of who they are, because of where they come from, because of maybe some connection they have to you, or you treat someone different and poor because of who they are, because of where they come from, because of their lack of connection to you. Um, but one thing I love about the church is I feel like we're a church that's truly. Really it's diversely coming together as a new group, and I'm really encouraged. So if you guys don't mind, I'm going to pray, and then I want to speak into how do we show no partiality, and what do we do in response to when we do. Cool? God, thank you for what you're doing, and each person here is lives. Um, I feel like with New Year's, there's all these, these transitions, there's these changes. That's when you tend to open up... Um, New dependence on you, and uh, I don't know each person in this room, and but I know you know uh, not only what they're going through, the intimately how it's impacting their mind, how it's impacting their soul, uh, their heart, uh, the. The truth they're telling themselves, and sometimes the half-truths are the lies. And so, I, God, I pray that in this new year that there is new truth, um, your truth, that can confound any lies of the enemy, any half-truths of the enemy. Um, God, let this church and let us be to each other a place that's so intentional to not show partiality, but uh, intentionality towards each other to encourage each other and replace lies with truth. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right. All um, right. I want to tell you all a couple years ago, I got to do this thing that actually we're going to get to do this year. Many of you guys are going to get to do this year. It's one of the most fun things you can do, honestly, as an adult. Uh, I was waiting so long to get to do this, and this is, it it's not something you get to do all the time. It comes around every now and then, and this is the year you get to do this very fun thing. It's called voting. <laughs> You're going to get to do it, y'all. Like, I know you've been waiting, anxiously, excited, dreaming about the time when you get to vote. I was driving legit. I'm not making this up. Last night, I even saw this license plate in the car in front of me. Vote, he says, just simply a vote. I don't know who that is, or I don't know if the Senate license plate. Um, I'm also feel like, is it legal that I'm showing someone else's license plate? But I feel like they'd be for it because I'm helping their message get across. Vote. And all that to say is I, years ago... Uh, because I cared and want to vote, I was so excited to finally get to vote. Um, I waited till the last day (laughs) and it was around 3 p.m. and I think it closed around 5, maybe 6. So I was like, I do need to vote, so I'm gonna make sure I vote today. And I was meeting with one of my donors, uh, and I was running a nonprofit in Dallas, and all that to say, after meeting with her, I'm like, all right, I gotta rush to the closest place you can vote. So I go to this place, and there's a line out the door, so long, and I'm probably 50th in line, and there's probably 50 people behind me. But somewhere along the way, I'm just looking around. I mean, you kind of just start – yeah, you, you get bored because you're just waiting. And I look behind me, and I notice someone is standing behind me. And I don't, I'm curious if you know who this person is, but this guy right here was standing behind me. <laughs> Do you guys know who that is? Jerry, Jerry Jones. Um, Some of you guys may not know who this kind of like sheepish looking guy is. But that guy happens to be a very famous guy in Dallas. Uh, So famous, if you don't know, he's the the founder, not the founder. Well, he acts like the founder, but he's the the owner of the Dallas Cowboys. And as a Dallas guy my whole life, and who travels a lot, this guy has influenced my life in ways I didn't realize. But every time I say I'm from Dallas and anywhere but Dallas, they always say, oh, you're from Dallas there's always the second question, are you a Dallas Cowboys fan? And of course, I don't know anything about football. I never became one because I was around Dallas Cowboys fans and I felt like they'd never seem happy. So I don't wanna be one of these guys. Like They always seem frustrated. Um, if this is God's team, like I, I don't, don't throw that on him because it seems like God's losing a lot. Um, So I never became one, but it's the richest team in the NFL. It's the most influential and liked team. Like they did stats to find across the nation team. And this guy also is a multi-billionaire. His name is literally Jerry Jones. So we talk about the rich and how you treat the rich. Um, I was just thinking, man, there's 50 people in front of me. There's a lot of people behind me. This guy's a billionaire. I'm sure he has many assistants, but that didn't get him in front of me. He has a lot of money, but that didn't get him in front of me. He has fame in this city, and that didn't get in front of me. He's a billionaire, but in this situation, that fool is behind me. Like, he is a billionaire, bro. I'm God's son. I'm like, I'm thinking this is, voting is like the great, equalizer in this situation. Like he can't send his assistant to do this for him. He can't cut in line and pay his way. He can't use his fame or maybe I bet he could have, if he he had a hat on, I was like, I can't believe no one's noticing. This is Jerry Jones right here behind me. Um, There was one time a guy saw him and was passing, he was was coming this way, his line was this way, and he just like tipped his hat. I was like, all right, that's classy way to see Jerry Jones. Literally, there's a phrase, keeping up with the Jones. It's different in Dallas. Like, he was trying to actually keep up with me in that situation. Like, all that to say, the cross, similarly, is the great equalizer. In the kingdom, in, in reality, the cross is a great equalizer. It, if you are on the other side of it, you don't have a lot of room to judge. You don't have a lot of room to be partial. Like, we are a lot closer to each other, no matter how good you are, than you are to Jesus. Way closer. I don't care if you're Billy Graham. Every one of us, because the cross is a great equalizer, every one of us, even the greatest of us Christians, will cast our crowns before the king. That really eliminates the need to judge or the need to be... This is the in crowd or being that. Now, I, I, there's those temptations, just like in the world, it can seep into the church. But what I want to talk about is how do we respond to that? How do we not show partiality? And I think the text actually gives us a little bit of that. It says, um, if you'll read with me, it says, if you really fulfill the royal law, according to the scriptures, you should love your neighbor as yourself, then you're doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law, it fails at one point, has become guilty of all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. And mercy triumphs over judgment. Uh, My emphasis in this is I want to look at you should love your neighbor as yourself. Then you're doing well. And then for judgment is without mercy to one who has shown mercy. And mercy triumphs over judgment. Um, So we could preach a lot about partiality. But what I really want to do is I want to instead of saying, hey, show no partiality. I love to say, what if we show a lot of intentionality? Because I think that's the remedy for partiality. Like, if I was to go to the other side of partiality, it's intentionality. It's going out of my way for people that are different than me. It's going out of my people, my way for those who don't have power, don't have influence, or are new, or whatever it may be. Um, St. Thomas Aquinas actually says, um, habit is overcome by habit. So if you have a habit of partiality, and a lot of it I've realized is subconscious. As I'm preaching this to myself, it's like, no, I have... Some people that I'm a little less patient with. The ice, there's worldviews that people have where I'm like, I just don't agree, and I might look down on you a little more than if you didn't have that view. There's upbringings that you may have that's different than mine that I, that we can judge. I'm not going to go out of my way to make things worse for them, but I think some of us, more than what is happening, the underbelly is we. We don't go out of our way for people that often are different than us. Does that make sense? So it's unseen, subconscious, only God sees types of partiality. And to break that is the habit of intentionality. That's going to, intentional, just to give some language to it, is done by intention or design. Um, I love that as he says, done by design. It's a determination to act in a certain way. That's being intentional. Um, Anyone who's married here or anyone who has a girlfriend, I want to honor the wives, girlfriends, just women in general i've when I think about this, and this is just my opinion, um, cancel me. Um, it just seems like women are more intentional, like homes feel better when women are there because of intentionality uh, cars are cleaner y'all even make us cleaner uh so i if i've ever seen a room from a guy who's like just dirty get cleaner i'm like oh he's he's dating a girl like there's a girl in his life now cuz there's an intentionality even you know it's my niece danny who's in the back uh she turns 8 today and um <laughs> Well, even when me and Cheyenne go out and buy a present, we just did yesterday, buy a present for her. I so often do this, and now that I'm married, it's different. I'm like, I know this is now coming, is I would just bought the present and give the present. Like, this is the main thing you want. She's like, no, you have to wrap it. All right, all right, that's good. We got the wrapping. No, you have to put it in a bag, and then you have to put the freaking, like those strings on it. I'm like, there's so many things. i like, I've never even done the wrapping part. You're going, this is the intentionality. But people like to open things. And I was like, oh, I see it. I see the, I mean, it communicates value. Intentionality communicates value. And why does this matter? And why does this matter right here and right now? Intentionality matters because we're a new church with new people. Uh, There's a lot of people that are gonna come in here and we get that opportunity, just like this verse. Are we gonna treat someone different because they're known or connected or the way they look? Or are we gonna treat some people less important or less intentional because of who they are? Or are we gonna like, across the board, in fact, I wanna have intentionality, especially to those that people don't treat as intentional. Um, But we create the culture people are walking into and all of us have walked into rooms where we're like, man, I wish someone was a little intentional with me. Uh, the introduction to this for us is in lunch, it seems like, at school. It's like, does anyone want me to sit with them? We talk about judgment um, at the end of that text where it's saying, hey, for judgment, it was without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Uh, what I don't want to do is create groups where it, you have to work really hard to get into the inner circle. Like a lot of times you go to circles or even churches Or spaces where the groups, clubs, whatever it is, you have to behave in order and act like us, look like us, do what we do in order to get into the inner circle. You have to be down with all of that. And I'm just saying, as Gen Z says, it's giving judgment. Um, It's giving judgment when we have to make people work so hard. And the reality is then you work so hard to start looking the part and acting the part and you got to start believing. You got to start watching this or listening to this or doing this, thinking like this. And have you guys felt this or been in groups where it's like, man, it takes a lot of work now that I'm in this group to belong. And then if you do all this, you finally can belong in the group, in the church, um, I personally think a lot of church hurt actually can come from this because we do things in reverse and the opposite. What Jesus does is we make all these requirements to finally feel like you belong. But when you look at Jesus, especially in how he interacted with the disciples, or so many people that others said, hey, do you cast a stone? Or do you, what do you say about this person? He starts at the beginning with belong. You're already in, disciples. And no one chose you as disciples. I choose you. I say the same for you, that he chooses you. Already in, automatic, like, you can become a child of God, a, a daughter of Christ, a father. Um, even the baptism, like, if you haven't been baptized, he's welcoming you in already. Then why this is important for us here is I've found that we tend to believe whatever is believed where we belong. Amen. Like, we just tend to believe whatever is believed where we belong. You've probably heard, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Um, this is why it's so important to make sure people belong in the family of God. Because if they don't feel like they belong, they're going to go somewhere else. And they tend to believe whatever is believed where they belong. And if the world is really good at saying, you belong here, even though maybe the the, the promises or the truths are shaky or not promising of eternity, then it's going to be hard because you tend to believe whatever you believe, where you belong. And um, I think we've all seen this, where someone we know and love gets into a group, and, or you probably have a season in your story where like, man, I started hanging out with this group, and you started behaving like them, believing like them, because you wanted to belong like that. Anyone connect with that? We all have those seasons. And what if we could, like Christ, you belong, and through belonging, you're gonna start believing. And through believing, you're not even going to start behaving, actually. That order is switched. When you start from belonging to believing, it actually is, you start becoming. Like by his grace, we start believing things that aren't even like our nature in the flesh and becoming a new creation. And then we start behaving that from identity that we know we're a son of God. We know we're a daughter of God. It's like an overflow. And that's why I think it can be exhausting sometimes in our relationship with God is we're trying to behave to get there. We're trying to behave and believe and do all the right things. And that's the difference between Jesus and all the other religions. A lot of religions will say, oh, this is all the same God at the top of the mountain. No, the difference is you don't find either God or Allah or whatever other God. The difference is we have the one God that... Took Jesus came down the mountain, didn't say you have to do all the work to get to the top. He got down to the mountain and said, you cannot climb this mountain. I will carry you there if you will let me. All you got to do is believe. All you got to do is, is follow me, and I will carry you to the top of the mountain. That's a different God. He starts the other side. And, and the response now, us as Christians, is we don't show partiality. We show intentionality, C.S. Lewis uh, labeled God and one of uh, mere Christianity, the hound of heaven, that he's after us. And so why I want to talk about this and what in intentionality is because we're a new church with a lot of new people and they're looking for community. And so like God is the hound of heaven, I want new to be like a dog whistle to you. You know, if you—I don't—I don't actually like dogs. I like cats. Um, but I'd be seeing how dogs act when there's a they little whistle. Cats—they don't care about no whistle. But dogs—you <laughs> do this little whistle, no one else can hear, and they're like, right away. In the same way, hey, I'm new here. Hey, I just moved here. Hey, I've never been before. Hey, a friend told me about this place. Um, Same thing at your work. I don't want just the values to be, hey, a Sunday value. I want it to be a lifestyle value that at your work, there's someone new. And I had someone as I'm preaching this. I'm like, I have got to be intentional with this guy. Just how many people have moved here? I've got to meet with this guy, take him to lunch. What can I do so that I can fast track him belonging, that he doesn't feel like he's got to work to get into the in crowd of our culture at our work? Because we've been together for years. What if we were that? Like we're not so Regina George. Uh, we we want to bring them in. Well, you can sit here. Um, you can actually sit here. Actually, two, COVID put everyone in um, COVID put everyone in transition. Now, uh, let me get a drink real quick. Y'all cool with that? It's hard with the mic. I should. Yeah, never mind. I filter my thoughts. Um, COVID put everyone in transition. Here's why uh, this matters is I found that people are most open to the gospel in transition than in stability. We are way more open to the gospel in transition than in stability. For example, um, I want to ask you all this question, and I'm going to give you about 60 seconds. really think about this and then share it with the person next to you, just one person that you know, is, what season of your life did you feel closest and most reliant on God? Just want you to scan—not your salvation season yet. What season outside of salvation where you're like, man, it was that window of time where I felt a lot closer to Him. I felt like He was near. I felt a little confirmation, or I saw His fingerprints. I was in the Word more, um, but I uh, just felt close to God. Do you guys got it? Raise your hand if you kind of got it. Just to—I mean, uh, no, there. You maybe were in the Word earlier in the morning. You. just to give a little more color to this, you even kind of said things like, honestly, I don't just want God right now. I like need him. Like I need him. And they, there's that famous quote. You never realize like God is all you have until you realize God, I'm sorry. God is all you need until God is all you have. Um, what was that season for you when you felt closest to him? You were utterly reliant on him because I would guess, and just tell your neighbor real quick. Um, Just like what was the season? Uh, It could be a sentence. 30 more seconds. My guess is when you talk about that season um, I my guess is in that season you were doing life, just whatever it is that you were doing in that season and all of a sudden there was this major transition. Am I right? There was a transition that really shook things up and you had to, if you had to eventually, maybe you didn't do it immediately. Sometimes we go and we numb pe- the pain or we seek answers in the wrong places, or we go even days, weeks, or even months, years, kind of like hurt by it or disappointed in it, mad at God, whatever it is. But if you're here, I've got to guess that you probably eventually decided, I can't fix this, I can't do this. I I'm gonna depend on God, and your dependence really changed the trajectory. It finally got you through. It finally got you out, and God did show you a way. the The verse, um, the one, the song that we sang, that He's an on-time God. That you felt that verse, like, so when you sing it today, it's because you felt it back then. That He was an on-time God. His timing is amazing. It's it's. Sometimes it's faster than you think, sometimes it's slower than you think, but it's always exactly when you need it. Um, And I don't know what the transition was. I have found it could be hard transitions, like losing your job, maybe happened. Maybe it's breaking up. I even want you to think about your salvation story. In your salvation, I wouldn't doubt that maybe one of these happened, because there's this disruption that happened where maybe it's losing your job, breaking up, getting cheated on, filing for divorce, losing a loved one, a serious illness, getting evicted. But even, it's not just that God molds us through hard things. Um, he definitely takes opportunity to, to rescue us in it. He definitely talk, takes opportunity to speak to us because he, we hear him the loudest during it. Um, but he doesn't just operate in that. Uh, there's also just transition where there's good transitions. Maybe it was getting a new job, getting married, having a baby, buying a home, graduating, changing schools, moving to a new city. J.R. Packer uh, wrote a book called *Knowing God*. He talks about like these transitions—they uncling our vice grip to control of our life or the idols in our life, and it, the, our flinch, like our clenched fist on whatever that is. Transition disrupts that, and we depend on God. Um, Why I think it's really important here is because again, we're a new church with a lot of new people. COVID put a lot of people in that transition. And then third, we live in the Mecca city of new people. (laughs) Like this, man, I'm so bad at jokes. I make up jokes like pretty on the spot. I'm like, I'm thinking, there's a lot of new people coming to this country through the border. But the, the only thing that rivals that is how many people are coming to this city, Nashville, Tennessee. Because I, why I say that is because this is the only time in my life that I've met people where I, I do the help on the greeting team. And I always try to ask, how long have you lived here? I've never gone to a place as much where I hear someone say like, oh, two weeks ago, Three weeks ago, last week I had two. This week, like I'm this week, I'm like, dude, where are they? Where I is like, (laughs) yeah, they're just flooding in to this city right now. I'm talking about this church, Um, and we can again dog whistle. You're new here. You are. We want to be so intentional to not just make you feel welcome. That's great, like a, greet, a greeting at the at the door. But as much as possible, how do I go out of my way to make sure you meet someone, connect with someone, get invited to something that makes you feel like you belong? Because people, and this applies, I, I want you to be thinking, like, who's someone new you can be intentional with this week? This applies to your work. This applies to the church, your circle. Maybe it's your school, your club you're a part of. Maybe it's a gym and you have a rhythm. We all have rhythms of community where we get to The opportunity to be introduced to new people is who's new that would like die to be a part of getting invited. Um, We know what it's like to not. And I would say as someone who was an unbeliever for a long time and went to church um, I remember as an unbeliever sometimes feeling this is that I I remember thinking, you know what's worse than being at home alone on a Friday night? Because when you're in high school that feels like I'm a loser. Um, I'm at home on a Friday night, everyone's out, and I'm just at home and no one invited me to anything. I felt like worse than that is being at church alone on a Sunday morning, because you're surrounded by a lot of happy, joyful, intentional people with each other, just not with you. And so again, when we see new people, when we see people even sitting alone, or we see people where you can tell they're new here, they're new at your job, Intentionality, And what's beautiful at work is I don't care, because this is a younger church, I do not care about your title at work. You can influence the culture in a massive way, because I don't think that title determines influence. I believe intentionality determines influence. We all know someone in our staff or past staffs and that has impacted the culture of our organizations or our jobs, not because they were the boss and they created it, just they were intentional with people. They went out of their way. They did those little things that communicated value. And my question I wanna leave y'all with, and I'm gonna give you about two minutes to talk to your neighbor is, Who's someone new, you know, this week, God and the Holy Spirit's prompting me, I could do something to be intentional with that new person to make this experience a little easier. Because I found that people don't quit jobs, they quit cultures. They don't leave churches, they leave cultures where they just, whether worst case scenario, got hurt, or, or best case scenario, they're like, I just don't feel like anyone noticed if I'm gone anyway. So, what this week can we do? I'm going to pray real quick, give you guys two minutes, and then. Um, Pastor Noah is going to come up. God, would you prompt uh, someone on our heart? uh, You connect your people for your purposes. I believe this is one of the most intentional churches as is, God. Um, I've never been a part of such a talented, kind, uh, loving group. And I pray that this culture, uh, that this can be a reminder and refresher of what we are doing, but also the, the weight of what we get to steward right now. And... Would you carry that into our work and to our communities and let this church be marked years from now. But we have people coming to us and saying, I moved here, or I stayed here, or I stayed at this job, I stayed at this church, I got more plugged in. My life and now my family's life has changed because in the early days you were intentional. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Talk to your neighbor for a minute or two about who that person is.